0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand on Air.
1: Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, proudly sponsored by Mini Quiz. I'm your host, Ian Turner, and today my guest is Jason Peters. Before we get to the show, I'd really appreciate if you enjoy what you're here today to subscribe. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and hit one of the links on the front page. Okay, Jason, he's still drummer for Pumpkinhead as they reform for a special gig as part of this year's Go Live Festival. Now I consider the band an integral part of the early 90s Christchurch music scene. Pumpkinhead were captivating and full on and mesmerising and really going places until they weren't. So this week we find out from Jason what life was like on the way up and what he might have done differently if he had that time again. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Jason Peters on Plains FM 96.9. Jason, when was the first time in your life that you, um, you remember hearing or discovering music? I reckon it was, I
2: would have been like eight, nine years old and mm-hmm. my, my parents... Ah, uh, their record collection was like Mum's was like Abba, and the Beatles, and the old man was into country western, so he was like Johnny Cash, Conway Twitty, and all of that. So they used to play play those records all the time, and then and then I remember um, listening to the radio a lot, and just just loving music, you know. From from there, but I remember when I I, I first got into drumming, um, specifically was. At uh, primary school, there was, a, there was a dude rocking around called Clary Light. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember him. Go I do remember te- him. Te- te- teaching at all the schools. And anyway, he did a concert. I was sitting right up at the front at lunchtime and he did a huge drum solo right in front of me. Uh, it was just part of his, his whole show. And I was just like, that's it, man. I'm going to be a drummer. And I think I was about 13. So were mum and dad into it? Yes and no. <laughs> They were like um, supportive to a point, but they just didn't want a whole lot of noise, you know, as parents mm-hmm. do back, mm-hmm. back then. I kind of took it up with Clary for a little bit, actually, and then I dropped it, got into BMX racing for a few years, as you do in the 80s, and then um, I picked up the sticks again when I was 18, and that's when I bought my first kit from uh, Charlie, CJ's. Were mum and uh, dad musical at all? They listened to music and appreciated it, but they weren't they weren't musicians at all. In fact, no one in my family
1: were except me. I seemed to just just um, latch onto it. And was it always the drums? Any other instruments? Any uh, singing? Uh, singing badly, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> it's always been the drums. I mean, I've done a little
2: bit of uh, BVs. I actually uh, did backing vocals on one of the Pumpkinhead songs, believe it or not. I was home. Mm-hmm. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in my other project, Kong Fui, over the years, I've done a few BVs, but it's definitely percussion and drums for me.
1: What was the first group that you got involved with, I presume, post-18 years of age, drum kit in hand? Uh,
2: that would have, been, um, uh, would have been a hard rock group called Tempest in, Tempest, C- in Christchurch. Okay. And uh, it was with Vaughan, um, who ended up joining Pumpkinhead on bass. With me, Mm. and yeah, we just did a whole lot of uh, hard rock and metal covers from memory.
1: (laughs) Where were you playing uh, in Tampa back in the day?
2: We played in Littleton a bit, Heathcote Heathcote Valley Inn. Do you remember that? Mm. No. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so we played there. Um, I remember we played to uh, one of our first shows, we played there, and we played to like 20 people, and I was absolutely packing myself. Why was that? I was just nervous. This is the first time I played in front of people. We'd practiced in the garage a, a lot. Okay. You know, you know, don't, and, and as soon as you get an audience, it's a whole different thing, you know? So, was it just the BMX?
1: What sort of music were you listening to at that point?
2: Back then, it was like, uh, I, I, I really loved you too. Like, okay. I was, I was, um, I was smashing unforgettable fire. Um, uh, under a Blood Red Sky, I was right into that, I was into Queen, I was mm-hmm. into a lot of st- uh, uh, Top 40 stuff off the radio too, I used to listen to Casey Kasem, and then record yep. yes. caught on my parents stereo uh, to cassettes, and annoy the yep. shit out of them, clicking and rewinding, clicking and rewinding, trying to do these compilation tapes, you know.
1: A lot of those groups you've talked about, the, the U2s and the Queens, a lot of anthemic rock there so what sort of like took you over to the semi dark side as it were the sort of raw grunty full-on stuff
2: i i'm not sure you know i think it was a little bit of a crossover um i'm embarrassed to say but it was that hair metal phase mm. where it, for me it kind of bridged the pop elements of music that i love with the heavy side of it yeah. so especially in the 80s with um all of those bands, Bon Jovi and yep. uh, Motley Crue, uh, Cinderella, there were a whole stack of them. That's when I, I sort of jumped into heavier music and really appreciating heavy music, but with a kind yeah. of a sort of pop, hard rock element. And I guess it wasn't really until the 90s uh, when I discovered Nirvana, Mudhoney, that I jumped
1: again towards mm-hmm. a more
2: heavy alternative yeah. sort of sort of thing, you know?
1: So out of Tempest, um, where to from
2: there? Uh, From Tempest, it was straight into Pumpkinhead. It was was basically, um, I'd left that band and went to the rock shop on Cashel Street, looking through the classifieds on the board, and there was a greasy fish and chip pack. Aaron had put it up there, and he'd listed all these cool bands that he was into. So I contacted him. he came over to my... Uh, mum's house, I was still living over there and um, had my drum kit in my bedroom, which was awesome, and he, wow. he basically just said, what do you got? <laughs> so I played. He was obviously impressed enough to um, say, hey, do you want to come and jam with me and Brent? Yep. So yes. and Brent, we're living in, in Addington. And so I said um, they, he wanted a bass player too, so I roped in Vaughan from Tempest. I said, mate, do mm. you want to go and check these guys out? So that's how it all kicked off.
1: What sort of groups were on that greasy fish and chip pack? The memory's hazy,
2: but there was definitely Mudhoney. There was Smashing Pumpkins, and I think there was Nirvana.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. So very much that that grunge kind of vibe. Because Yeah,
2: but we're talking like 1990 or something.
1: Wasn't there a funk element to Pumpkinhead early on? There was, and that
2: influence definitely would have come from like Red Hot Chili Peppers. um, Yep maybe faith no more especially the early mm-hmm. stuff
1: and yes
2: some yes of, yes yeah and some of the funk metal bands that were cruising around back in that yeah. time yeah. sort of creeped in but the, that band um pumpkin kind of had two sides it had that that fun sort of heavy with a bit of funk and groove and then it had the, the sort of heavy pop sort of mol- more melodic side to it mm-hmm. too so it, yeah. was, it, was, it was an interesting beast, really.
1: It is time for some music. Um, and at this point, I do ask um, about something from an influence. Um, we did have a chat before this. And uh, a group, an amazing group that you haven't talked about is, is Soundgarden. How important was Soundgarden to you?
2: Yeah, they were huge. They were huge. Um, I actually started listening to their first EPs. I think it was Screaming Life and Fop. And mm-hmm. they came out. I think it was late '80s when that came out, and then "Louder Than Love," I just jumped onto that and loved it. Um, And then, of course, "Bad Motorfinger," and that just blew my mind. I was just like, this yep. band just keep getting better and better and better and better. Um, yep. And, and um, Chris's enough,
1: progressing as well.
2: Ah, oh, just the whole band and Matt's drumming. I, I we went to the first big day out. We flew up to it in '94. And Soundgarden did an impromptu uh, concert at the Sideshow and they just announced it the night before at the power station. And someone told us we were staying at um, a Backpackers or somewhere and we, we bought tickets straight away and of course it sold out just instantly. So we got in and um, I remember the uh, the sound guy We went up and chatted to the sound guy just because we were super excited and said, how are you? And he's this big, big, uh, gruff New York guy. He's really friendly. And um, I think he took a little bit of a liking to my girlfriend at the time. But he he basically said, hey, do you guys want to come backstage after the show? And we're like, hell yes, let's do it. So we, we watched that show, which was absolutely incredible and still one of the best rock shows I've ever been to. And I've been to so many shows. And yeah. then just such a buzz to go and meet the guys afterwards and hang out. And they're all super lovely. Um, yep. Super lovely guys, you know, down to earth. And we're just chatting our heads off about music for the whole night. it was, um, it was awesome.
1: What track are we going to hear, Jason?
2: I think we go with Rusty Cage.
1: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Jason Peters on Planes FM 96.9. Uh, we've heard about the best gig ever. Has anything come close in the intervening, how many years, 25 years or so? Uh, there's, there, there's been a lot of, lot of other
2: awesome shows. I'd say, I mean, uh, talking about that big day out in 94, Head Like a Hole absolutely mm-hmm. blitzed their set at that show. They were amazing. It's, um, they were incredible. Um, Faith No More I've seen quite a few times and we supported them. They, they were awesome as well. And another band I love, a, a Kiwi band called She Hard, who I've seen many times. Um, yeah, they bad. They just cane it live. It's so good. Uh, they were on the same label as us too, so it was awesome.
1: What was the first gig, first big gig you ever saw?
2: This is embarrassing, but it was Nick Kershaw. Okay, um, and down
1: by the river. There's a hole <laughs> in the ground. Yeah, that was my I first show
2: as an international show. It was at the Christchurch Town Hall. Who um, took you to that? Oh, it was a it was a, a mate of mine, a neighbour. We we're, were into our top forty sort of new wave shit, you know. Uh, seen some really really awesome bands um, back then too, like In at the uh, mm-hmm. at the Town Hall, which was amazing. Yep. Yep. Uh, Jenny Morris was um, supporting and she was the, the backup singer. And Huda Gurus, there were, there were a lot of great shows back then.
1: When you're, uh, let's go back to 18 and you're playing and there's Tempest and there's Pumpkinhead and so on. What was the Christchurch music scene like? What were the, um, what were the top venues in town?
2: The main ones were McCarthy's Bar uh, at Warner's and where we played a lot yes. there. And we played a lot there yep. with other local bands. Uh, Like Love's Ugly Children and 147 Swordfish 147 Swordfish It seems
1: just this, you know, holy trinity Yeah Because I remember you guys playing at Canterbury University as well around about 92 Okay 93 Probably my first and only foray into um, stage diving
2: (laughs) Nice Um, Yeah, I was actually going to say the Canterbury University Like some of those orientation gigs were amazing Um, That was a great venue Had a lot of touring bands through there
1: uh, Caledonian Hall, that was another great yes. great venue. The big yeah. question here is, and one of my all-time favourite gigs ever, 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 was you guys supporting Faith No More at the Caledonian Hall. And if you're a fan of Garden of Sound, then you probably heard me talk ad nauseum about this. How did that gig come about? How did that support gig come about?
2: So John McCarthy, who owned... Um, uh, the McCarthy's Bar and Warners he was the promoter for that show and he asked us and another band called Thomas and we obviously we jumped at it and yeah that was that was such such a cool show um, who, who brought they, them uh, to the country? I'm not sure, I think they were on a break, they were on a world tour and then okay. something happened and I heard they just diverted to New Zealand and they, and they decided to do some Uh, I guess small shows for them back then. Yeah, because they were playing Queenstown. I think they did Wellington, Auckland, and Christchurch. So, um, and I I think I don't know, Caledonia Hall was that about a thousand, sort of max. Six hundred to a
1: thousand. I don't know. Things were a little hazy. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) true.
2: But um, I was so excited to play that show, and I remember I remember drumming. through our set and and looking over stage right and seeing Mike Patton and Billy Gould yep. looking at us watching us yep. play, yep. You know, I almost dropped one of my drumsticks. I was just like, "Holy, holy moly!" Just, just, just breathe. Pretend they're not there.
1: You know, one of my lasting memories um, outside of that three minutes where Faith No More froze on stage was your cover of "Counting the Beat." Ah, yeah how often did you play that have you played it since are you going to be playing it on the 24th of July you never know we might dust that old (laughs) I strongly suggest
2: you do yeah that was a lot of fun I don't know who suggested that but uh we kind of did our own version of it it was kind of absolutely a a, a little bit more punky but it was it was slowed down actually so we we put a bit of meat on the bones on that one but that was always fun to play we uh we also did adults and children by the gordons and that was a okay a, a vaughan our bass player was a big fan uh of the gordons and some of those guys um went on to do belter space i believe but okay that was fun that song but yeah counting the beat that's a the kiwi classic huh? Eh? how did things progress from there i guess uh well we did we did some stuff with rob mays on avalanche which which was amazing He he did the, the EP compilation with Us Loves Ugly Children, Lurch 147 and Super Tanker. And he did another compilation called Good Things as well. Then we, we flew up to Auckland and we played a 95 BFM festival yeah. uh, with She Hard and I'm trying to think who else, Headless Chickens and a bunch of other guys. And we played our show. I actually had a terrible show on the kit. I remember Tom Larkin mm. standing side stage and I was so embarrassed. My cat kept moving around. I was missing yeah. symbols. I was just like yeah. devastated. But anyway, Murray Kamek seemed to think we were awesome. He was in the crowd. And not too long after that he contacted us and he was interested in signing us to Wildside. Okay. So he flew down and we had a bit of a meeting and he laid everything out. And he was running rip it up magazine back then. Of Mm -hmm. course, um, of my favorite bands or, um, he like a whole and she harbour on his label too. So it was kind of a no brainer. We just jumped in and, uh, we were going to be, uh, distributed by festival, which was a big deal back then because they, um, we had a really sizable recording budget and they could really promo us. And back then it was all about the CD and the cassette. Yep. Yep. You know, very different times.
1: So at that point in time, when everything's looking super exciting and so on, what was the big plan? Where did you want to go? Where did you want to play? What did you want to do?
2: I don't know if there was a plan. We just wanted to really play as much as we could, and and, and Murray really pushed that side because he would seen Head Like A Hole and She Had do the same thing. He was just any opportunities we could get we would take them Uh, we Mm. had some amazing opportunities we got to um, support primus and uh, fugazi at the caledonian hall and then we got to play um, big day art in 95 and main stage in 96 so Mm. uh, any opportunity that came our way and we played as much as we could and we toured as much as we could and, and it was super exciting. I hadn't really been up to the North Island before, believe it or not, Shel- sheltered Kaipoy boy that I am. So getting to just roll around to all these brand new places all over the North Island for the first time and, and record with Phil Rudd at uh, his studio in Tauranga from ACDC, it was just, mm. I was blowing my mind back then. It was just like, I
1: couldn't believe it. You know, it was really cool. It is time for some music. Uh, I do ask for a favourite track. Um, anything that we can bash out right now, Jason? Should we go Faith No More, Land of Sunshine? Let's do it. is the garden of sound interview with jason peters on plains fm 96.9 we're going to play a pumpkin head track by the name of "Narc." um how did this track come about
2: jason i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea where this one came from and, and i remember aaron really couldn't stand the song but we ended up recording it and it, and it did pretty well i mean it was the last song we recorded in 96 with Malcolm Wellsford at York street. Rest in peace. Yeah. Where she had recorded some incredible albums there too. So, um, yeah, I don't know how that, that song
1: came about, but it's there. What was the general pumpkin head putting a song together vibe?
2: We helped out in some of the lyrics and some of the songs just, uh, just to be helpful. Like I wrote some of the lyrics to, I like. Um, mm-hmm. added a little bit into um, NARC as well, and Aaron helped. Yep. Um, yep. He obviously wrote, I like, and I sort of contributed a few lines. So we all sort of helped in, in that department. But Brent definitely wrote, you know, the lion's share of, of mm-hmm. the lyrics. But musically, um, most of the riffs would come from uh, Aaron or, or Jason Harmon, who was our original guitarist mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. then. And then we'd just build on that and I, I would help well, the whole band would help structure The songs as they go That was pretty much how it rolled.
1: So was that your best recording session? Uh, or recording period with um with pumpkin head at York Street.
2: It was a good session um, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. recording sloth with yeah. with Phil at, at, on his farm um, Yeah, that was an amazing experience because we were we were living at the studio, basically sleeping yeah. above in the loft. Yep. And every morning my alarm clock was Phil Rudd tuning my kit up for the day's recording, which was pretty cool. Okay. And um, yeah, Dave Wernham, he he uh, produced and engineered that album as well okay. and uh, with the band and Brent had a lot to do with that album and, and um, that was pretty enjoyable, it was pr- pretty exciting and we just completely focused on that recording. Mm-hmm. The whole whole time we're there because we're on a farm. We're on a kiwi fruit farm. Yep. There's nowhere to go, you know.
1: So being in the big smoke, more to do, more to distract you, and so on.
2: Yeah, I'd say. I mean, we only recorded one song there, so it was it was pretty quick. I remember we got yeah. DLT in to do some live scratching. Okay. So he actually features on 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 NARC, which yeah. was awesome. Um, That's lovely guy too. Called
1: cool. diversifying, you know yeah like instead of finding DLT yeah
2: exactly and instead of finding you know that's how it rolled back then instead of finding a yep. sample you'd mm-hmm. actually get a DJ and he set his decks up and and yep. that everything you hear recorded in that song that's that's DLT so we we were stoked
1: so what is your favorite part of NARC
2: I actually enjoy the choruses yeah I think that I think they're really catchy I, I love the drumming on that that's a that's a that's definitely got a funk, funk groove running through there, yeah. but it's uh, it's it's just a lot of fun, and we had a lot of fun um, recording the video to that, which we did in Ponsonby up in Auckland, yeah. and um, I remember Dave, uh, Dave Hunt, who's now uh, Francis Hunt, he refused to be the grandmother at the end of the shot who was who was basically the neighbor that the SWAT team busted in on so I said look I'll do it even though I had a full goatee put, put cushions up in my chest and uh, I was the old lady next door so that was pretty funny um yeah no it's, it's a fun song and we'll we'll definitely be playing that in July I'd imagine super cool yeah let's nice hear it
3: I know what they're asking. Moving across the floor like Michael Jackson. Hit the flushing button and I beat it by a fraction. Just like Judas Priest, I was breaking the
1: the Garden of Sound interview with Jason Peters on Plains FM 96.9. Um, uh, rise and fall and all of that kind of thing looking back X amount of years ago, uh, 25 years ago or wow. thereabouts. Anything that you would do differently if you were passing on to advice uh, to, a, to a younger person or even yourself at that age?
2: It's, it, it's always hard when you're inside a band and you're just so close to it and you're so passionate and you've got five different personalities and that don't always align i i would say have a lot of patience and try to have more patience and a little bit more empathetic with people it's, it's a little bit difficult when you're when you're younger too because i think you're quite headstrong you know and uh, people have strong opinions <laughs> But I mean we 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 had such a great time and we can't wait to play uh, again in July and we just kind of we just have fond memories now, you know. Everything's water under the bridge. And and we uh, when you're a bit older you do look back and wish you'd, you'd you'd dealt with things a little bit differently and we maybe didn't disband the band mm-hmm. so quickly, but it that was the way that it the guards rolled, you know, so
1: is there any element of mentoring in anything you're doing these days?
2: No mentoring, um, but there's mm-hmm. just just a lot of lessons learned along the way. Um, yeah. uh, I've, I've worked on a few different projects, uh, musical projects. Uh, one's Kong Fui, which I was the producer for collaborating, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a funk soul hip hop project, which was a lot of fun. It was kind of quite a departure, but I'm, I'm a big fan of funk funk music have been yep. for years. So I was kind of buzzed to produce that. And then the other one, uh, uh was a band in Auckland. I got into um, called hump the witch was, l- was like a heavy stoner rock band, which was a lot of mm. fun yep. and, I uh, made some good, good friends through that as well. And now, um, my wife and I have just started a touring company called Wackstar touring. So we're starting to get into the production side so of, cool. uh, putting on shows
1: rock music shows it'll be
2: everything, everything really a- anything yep. that spins our wheels the first show we're putting on is a Christchurch band called Dillustrate. Um, oh fantastic yeah, yeah yeah H and uh Tim we're getting those guys up with the shows um next Friday actually and we've got Lawton Cora wow. guesting with them we've got Jimmy Cara, yep. who did all of the um uh Hori Buzz uh, sorry Aaron Tokata tribute shows last year so and I'm doing a little DJ set too which will be fun so so yeah man we're just looking at anything that we deem be, uh, being awesome and and good quality you know
1: any unfulfilled musical desires I
2: I mean I've I've been so fortunate you know we got to we got to play with Faith No More three times we did that gig at Kelly then we did the King for a Day shows in Wellington and mm. Auckland um, the Kelly show, I, I only got to meet Jim Martin and I was gutted. I didn't get to meet, meet the rest of the guys, but, okay. um, the King for a day tour, I got to actually hang out with them a bit, especially the drummer who's a big influence of mine, Mike Borden and super yeah. lovely guy and got to meet some, uh, quite a few of my heroes, Danny Carey uh, from tall and herb wow. from primus as far as yep. drumming heroes. Um, yeah. A lot of musicians along the way, you know, I just pinched myself one of, one of the times, uh, I think we played at the 96 Big Day Out and I'm standing next to Nick Cave shooting the breeze and we're just watching Tricky side stage, yeah. you know. I could have pinched
1: myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to go and uh, pay some bills and we're going to come back and play mini-quiz.
2: There's only one way
3: to settle this.
1: There is another way. Visit miniquiz.com and see how your general knowledge stacks up against friends, family, and Darren down the road. It's free and a great way to get you ready for the big leagues. Visit miniquiz.com now. That's M-I-N-I-Q-W-I-Z.com and show everyone who the quizzed in your neighborhood really is. miniquiz.com Start small and do them all. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Jason Peters on Plains FM ninety six point nine, and it is time for mini quiz. Uh, Jason, you're going to have ten questions. You're going to have sixty seconds to answer those ten questions. Uh, if you don't know the answer, just say pass and say pass quickly. Okay. folks, don't generally get right to the end. Um, more than one correct will be great. Um, I'll give it currently, a shot. top of the table, um, uh, Greg Haver is on six. So oh, if you nice. Greg, and uh, Christchurch artist Caleb Isaacs on six as well. So if you can get seven, and I think you've got a pretty good chance. All right, Jason Peters, your mini quiz starts. What was the name of the band that was formed in 1966 by Ginger, Eric, and Jack? Cream. Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters became famous with which band which split in 1994? Nirvana. Who's the male half of the Rhythmics? Stuart More. Oh,
2: I can't remember. Something Stuart In which Dave US Stewart. state was Bruce Dave Stewart?
1: In which U.S. state was Bruce Springsteen born and raised? New Jersey. Which band released a '74 single entitled "Can I Sit Next to You, Girl"? Pass. In which year were New Zealand band Coconut Ruff formed?
2: I'm going to say 81.
1: What's the nationality of the musician known as The Weekend? Uh, English. Which English rock band sang the 2003 hit entitled 2 plus 2 equals 5? Pass. Okay, your time is up, but you've done you've done pretty well. We'll just go through those answers and uh, give you a score. Yes, Ginger, <laughs> Eric, and Jack Cream, well done. Um, Nirvana, yes, of course. The band couldn't do anything but split, really. Well done. I will give you Dave Stewart. Even I just got that. We had they, moved huh? on, to- <laughs> <laughs> even though we'd moved on. Yes, well done. Um, New Jersey, uh, you got that. I can't remember. Um, uh, Seventy four single. Can I sit next to you, girl? Did you have an answer for that? No, I said pass. ACDC. Ah um, there you go. in which year when you Zealand band coconut rough formed you said 1981 very close it was 1982 ah. um, the weekend is Canadian Canadian two and two equals five that's radiohead, radiohead so four. Here, of Oh, our four. That's pretty good. That's okay. Four, that's not bad. I mean, you were off and running, and then (laughs) it kind of of all fell apart. Okay, so uh, you are playing Christchurch Town Hall. Uh, It's part of the Go Live Festival, and it's happening uh, Saturday, July 24th, said he, checking his calendar. That's the one. Um, That's correct. So uh, what did it take? Like a million dollars to get (laughs) you guys back together? You know it. Or was uh, that desire? Was that desire still there to do it?
2: I've been thinking about doing a reunion show since I put the twenty um, fifth anniversary of Sloth together on vinyl, uh. and and when that came about, um, I, I kind of floated it to some of the guys in the band just because I think it, thought it would be a really neat thing to do to mark the twenty fifth mm. um, yeah. release anniversary release of that album, but then all of that COVID stuff hit and kind of shut the whole world down so that that got put on hold and then i i um i think i spoke to francis because we hang out a bit he lives up in auckland and we, and we started talking about it again and i had up aaron and vaughan and they, they were keen and then it was just brent who lives in sydney so logistically mm-hmm. it's like he's he's pretty busy over there can he do it? Is he keen i rang him and we had a great conversation and he said he was he was into it so and then from there, um, Mr. a good friend of ours, Mark Royal, contacted us and said, what do you think? Do you think Pumpkinhead might might reform to play this show? And asked all the guys and everyone's keen. So there you go. We're going to do it.
1: I believe you're playing in the James Hay Theatre. Yeah. Uh, if that's yeah. what it's known so as is, these days. Ever played there before? No. Is, uh, is,
2: that, has, is that the same one from back in the day or is that, has that been rebuilt? I, or?
1: I do not know, to my shame, um, yeah. I think it will be absolutely superb yeah, and ideal yeah. and amazing. I can't wait. Well, we'll, in we'll, addition to... We'll shake the foundations
2: of the Jameson Theatre, I'd imagine.
1: <laughs> not too much, though. Yeah. Okay, yeah. not too much. Oh, yeah. We don't need any Yeah, more. we're not doing any <laughs> earthquake puns here, right? <laughs> oh, oh, it's too much. Um yeah. Uh, Jason, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you and um, uh, reliving uh, some of those memories and looking forward to new memories, which is incredibly important. Um, one more track to play, something from um, something from one of your more recent projects, Hunt the Witch. What should we listen to?
2: Uh, I reckon Afterburner. That's a, okay. that's a this, pretty all track? about afterburner is about getting into your muscle car and um and then (laughs) going as fast as you can along a desert road with your your, with music that you love absolutely blasting
1: It's pretty much what it's about wonderful afternoon jason thank you so much for being on the show
2: my pleasure it's great to chat
1: An additional two tracks of the week for you. I mentioned during the show that Pumpkinhead did a brilliant cover of Counting the Beat by The Swingers. I don't have that version, but the original is most certainly a classic. Jason and the Gang on the James Hayes stage come July 24 is local lass Emma Dilemma. Here's her latest song, Cooperate.
0: The moment that I first saw you, I was drawn to your outfit and your hair and eyes and shoes and everything that you were doing so I found. So
1: Thanks for joining me today on the show and thanks also to Jason Peters for being my guest. Head along to gardenofsound.nz, click on Jason's image on the front page and from there you can get tickets to see Pumpkinhead at the Go Live Festival July 24th. Huge thanks also to my show sponsor, Mini Quiz. You can find out more at miniquiz.com. I'm Ian Turner. I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound same time next week. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. Enough horror.